0: Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta You know, I just heard that the actor Ray Liotta died uh, 67 years old You know, most of us probably weren't thinking of I wonder what he's doing these days uh, He was making a movie, he died And, you know, we've probably thought of Ray Liotta What, a dozen times over our lives so we watch watched movies, right, we've seen him a few times And and now he's gone And, uh that happens to everybody. They're here for a short time. Uh, the Psalms say we're but a breath. Uh, we're like uh, flowers that shoot up and then they wither away. And that's why the ascension is so important. Not merely the resurrection, the resurrection is vitally important, obviously, but the ascension demonstrates a whole new dimension. To reality. Let me me talk a little bit about that because I think too we often forget that when the ascension occurred, Jesus had prepared the apostles for something big happening. Going back to John chapter 14 where he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. So and there's a lot, as I said in the last hour, there's a lot of conversation that goes on between Philip and Thomas and Judas and Jesus about what it means for him to go and prepare a place for us. But um, the ascension is kind of the guarantee that he actually fulfilled that promise, right? Uh, he, is, he ascends to heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's prepared a place for us. So let me let me just read from book of Acts, and then today's gospel reading is from Luke, which is an Ascension reading. But I want to read from the the book of Acts. I want to just focus on why the Ascension is so important. As Jesus said this, that is, that he had told them to go back to Jerusalem where the Holy Spirit would come upon them and uh, would empower them, then they would go forth to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. As Jesus said this, he was lifted up while they were watching. And a cloud took him out of their sight. They were gazing into heaven as he disappeared. And then, lo and behold, two men appeared, dressed in white, standing beside them. Galileans, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you saw him go into heaven. Then they went back to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, which is close to Jerusalem, about the distance you can travel on a Sabbath. Luke includes that they were full of joy. They entered the city, went to the upstairs room. Uh, They were staying there. They gave themselves single-heartedly to prayer. The women were there, including Mary, Jesus' mother. His brothers were there. Luke also says they were worshiping in the temple at that time as well. Two quick points. The apostles and Jesus' followers didn't run back and immediately begin preaching or doing works of mercy. I know my tendency, if I had seen something like that, it would be to race right back uh, to my family, to my school, to my radio station, and begin yakking about what I had just seen. But they didn't. They didn't run back and immediately begin preaching. Jesus' ascension didn't in and of itself qualify them as preachers or activists. Before they ever would begin preaching or doing works of mercy— in Christ's name, they would go back to pray and await the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would come and commission them on Pentecost because then Christ's body on earth, that body that had been ascended into heaven, that body would be reconstituted on earth. Christ the head in heaven, his body, the church on earth. So number one, they went back to Jerusalem not to preach but to pray and to await the promise of the Holy Spirit that would empower them and reconstitute the church the body of Christ on earth secondly they didn't immediately run off to foreign lands like foreign missionaries they went right back into Jerusalem even onto the temple grounds where after the day of Pentecost they would preach they'd have a hostile crowd there but they would preach. That hostile crowd was only too glad to disprove anything they had to say. Remember, they were preaching about events that had been done right there in Jerusalem. There were many hostile eyewitnesses. If Jesus' uh, body uh, had been a moldering in the grave somewhere, or if it had been taken away by uh, the Roman guards or the temple guard, they could have just taken Jesus' body, thrown in a wheelbarrow, and run it right down in the middle of Jerusalem, and that would have killed Christianity. Not in the cradle, but in the womb. They didn't do it to counter the preaching of the apostles because they didn't have the body. And the ascension, of course, is the follow up to the resurrection. What happened to the body? The body ascended to heaven. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. So the ascension of our Lord is critical uh, to the preaching of the gospel. Uh, if you take a look at books on the life of Jesus, you find a wide selection of titles. Um, I took a look you know, uh, about two years ago when I was thinking about this. I went on my own shelf, began counting books on the resurrection. There are about 75 books there on the resurrection. Then I said, okay, let me compare how many are there on the Ascension. Six. Six. The Ascension is a neglected doctrine among theologians and catechists. And because it's a neglected doctrine among our teaching, it's a neglected reality in our lives. You know, without the Ascension of Jesus, the story ends with the empty tomb. You know, you, there's no without the ascension. There's no seating at the right hand of the Father, which means there's no King on the throne. Without the ascension, there's no sending of the Holy Spirit, which means there's no Church. Without the ascension, there's no intercession in the heavenlies. Without the ascension, there's no return of Jesus, uh, as we uh, believe. And, and this is why I stress we're living at a time in which the ascension of our Lord is a neglected reality. Father Dave McConney gets this. Uh, he wrote a book called Christ Unfurled, The First 500 Years of Jesus' Life. It's, it's, a, it's actually a church history book. It covers the first 500 years of church history. And he makes the point that Jesus is still very much busy as prophet, priest, and king. The first 500 years of church history is really the first 500 years of Jesus' life. By that I mean post-incarnation, of course. Um, Since the Ascension, Jesus is still busy as prophet, priest, and king. He exercises prophetic ministry through the preaching and teaching ministry of the church, which is his body on the earth. He exercises priestly office by making intercession for us and by inviting us to the marriage supper, right, in the Eucharist. Uh, I it mean, it's precisely in Eucharistic worship and prayer that we, while we're still on earth, can find ourselves sharing in the life of heaven, which is where the ascended Jesus is, our High Priest. So you want to know? I mean, why do we neglect the ascension when it's such a remarkable thing? And I, I think it is. I think it's a. I think I've mentioned before that when people think of the life of Jesus, it gets to the ascension. And that's when the curtain comes down, right? That's when, uh, if it was a movie, it's when the credits come up at the end of the movie across the screen. It's almost as though the ascension, Jesus says, well, listen, I'm done teaching. um, I'm done doing miracles. And I've I've done my bit now, so I'm out of here it's just the opposite. The ascension and the seating at the right hand of the Father, the pouring forth of the Holy Spirit, is actually to reconstitute Christ's body on the earth so that today Jesus is more accessible to the human race than at any time during his stay on earth in the first century. Yeah. Um, We don't preach on Christ's present work I think because um, we don't—I guess as an evangelical Protestant, I didn't preach on Christ's ascension very much because I didn't have many places uh, in my daily life where his priesthood was alive. I didn't believe in sacraments, right? So sacraments are works of Christ, the Ascended Christ, uh, the Eucharist, is the work of the Ascended Christ. So, I mean, this is—what is Jesus doing now? Well, you can go to any Mass, and you can see what he's doing right now, because the priest is acting in persona Christi. Um, but one th- another thing we don't— we neglect the reality of the ascension because we, we have these passages in Scripture that are kind of mysterious, like this one from St. Paul, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, where he says, Christ has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. We have been raised up with Christ in the heavenly places. In Christ Jesus, we have been raised with him in heavenly places. Heaven is not far distant from us thanks to the ascension. Heaven interpenetrates this reality on earth. The ascended Christ is with us, and we're with him, not later, but now. When I first read this passage about being seated with Christ in heavenly places now, that's what St. Paul is. He's not talking about the end of history. He's talking about now, that because we are baptized into Christ Jesus, we are seated with him in heavenly places. That's, That's our life. Uh, and that's why I don't even like to talk about the Ascension as a doctrine. It's a reality that we're to be living, and we're to be living it in a world which really needs to lift its eyes to those heavenly truths, because if we keep our attention fastened to the tragedies going on on Earth, it is very difficult to make it through the day. The Ascension literally asks us to look up as we see him go into heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father and then to send down the Holy Spirit to bring us together to take up his mission on the earth. That's why the ascension is so important.